Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Ambitious. This week's guest is an absolutely huge one. Alex McCarthy is somebody I've admired within the WWE community for his takes, and it was a privilege to sit down with him this week. He works for TalkSport. He has a show on TalkSport 2 called Talk Wrestling from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. every Monday. You'll hear that in the interview. And he is one of the most world-renowned WWE experts in all of the UK. And it was a privilege to sit down with him, and I'm really excited for you to hear it. He sat down with some of the biggest stars in all of wrestling, and I just, it was a privilege to sit down with him and talk about WWE. So, yeah, that episode is coming right after a quick word from our new sponsor, Liquid IV. Whether you're a Super Bowl champion, reality TV show star on Big Brother, American Idol, singer, or even an MLB All-Star, you know hydration is key. And so does Liquid IV, the newest sponsor of Ambitious. They know how important hydration and energy is, and that's why they've developed special supplements to get you three times more hydrated for every packet you use. So one packet of Liquid IV, to me, is three bottles of water. And Liquid IV not only gets you more energized, more hydrated, but it keeps you motivated and disciplined. And especially in times like these where a lot of us are working from home, doing school from home, working out at home, Liquid IV can keep you energized, rejuvenated, and hydrated no matter what you do. Go to liquidiv.com or Liquid IV wherever you can find them on social medias and find out more about their superb hydration formulas. Now back to the show to ambitious my name is dylan price today's guest is a absolutely phenomenal one he is the talk sports u.s editor and co-host of talk wrestling every monday from 6 p.m to 8 p.m on talk sports 2 he is the face that runs the place for uk wrestling ladies and gentlemen welcome to the show alex mccarthy alex how's it going I'm great, man. I love the AJ Styles intro. I can't lie. I uh, I was rehearsing that one a little bit in my head. I can't lie to you before I just intrude you there. <laughs> I'm going to steal it, I think, for my show. I'm not going to lie. It's great. Hey, I am proud and honored to get a place uh, even a little bit on that show. But starting right away, how did that begin and how did you get to where you are in your career covering world wrestling? Wow, I mean, man, that's a lot, that's a story. Uh, I'll try and make it, I guess, as succinct as possible. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I studied to become a journalist uh, at university. Didn't really get the work experience that I needed. Um, well, not not didn't really get it. I didn't get it. I just you know I just had fun and um, basically I was playing football and stuff at university. I didn't really think too much of it. Um, and then you get out in the wide world and you realise actually that stuff's very important. So. I spent about four years banging around doing jobs I didn't really want to do. I saved up money and went back to college to get the experience I needed. Um, and then I actually started as an NBA writer, believe it or not. Um, oh, wow. That was my first real... It, it was with the the website. It was Give, Give Me Sport is the website. And it was basically the NBA's official UK partner. So they needed people to write about it. I've always been a big Lakers fan, so that... Um, that, that lent itself to it. You know, I don't think there's much competition in the UK, to be honest. But um, that's how I kind of got in with Give Me Sport. And then as time went along, they always had a WWE section. I, I kind of nagged them a little bit, you know, just let me write a thing here or there. And then when they saw the numbers coming in, man, they were all for it. Um, so I spent like four years there 
in my last 18 months, my actual title was just WWE lead. So it wasn't a job that was there, you know, for me to get paid because I was doing so well in what I was doing. Um, and then, you know, we made connections with 2K, WWE. I was invited to WrestleManias and SummerSlams and it was all incredible stuff. It really was um, a bit of a whirlwind, really, to be honest. And then in when I was in New Orleans for WrestleMania 34, I met a couple of journalists who work for the parent company of TalkSport because um, because the, the parent company is a, a, a thing called News UK. So they, they have a few different newspapers and things like that. Uh, and they basically reached out to me after that saying, you know, we, we thought we think you're good at what you do and TalkSport's website is trying to grow. Would you be interested in coming and basically bringing the numbers that I was doing for Give Me Sport and bring them over to TalkSport. And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, TalkSport in the UK, I don't know how aware you are, but it's massive. It's like the biggest radio station for sport. And um, yeah, I, I, again, it wasn't a role that you could apply for. You couldn't go on Google and just apply like WWE editor. Do you know what I mean? Like I had to, it was, it was just an opportunity that came. Um, and then the first year I had there, very successful. Like before I joined, I think they did a total of 30,000 clicks in 2018. In my first year there, 2019, we did 14 million. So it like the growth was like Whoa. insane just because really it got the attention it deserved. And off the back of that, at the turn of this year, they were like, you know, again, I had nagged them a little bit. I was like, look, there's clearly an audience here. So they said, cool, let's make it a show. So, you know, I've had a show now for about eight months. It's great. You know, we have top guests every week. I mean, just this week we had, you know, uh, interviews that I did with Triple H, Randy Orton, and Angel Garza. Um, I've got really cool guests coming up tomorrow. When does this podcast drop, by the way? This will drop <laughs> tomorrow evening. Say. So you can All right, because the WWE don't always like you to say, because then um, – they get loads of like journalists basically complaining, like, oh, well, why can't I have that guy? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to speak to Dominic Mysterio <laughs> tomorrow about his debut and stuff. That's going to be a cool Wow. Yeah, that's a cool interview. I've got, I've got so much I want to ask him. So that's cool, man. Like, like I said, we get good guests every week. Um, and I'm just rolling, really, just, you know, enjoying it. It's like I said, that in the UK, there was nothing before me, really. I, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm a trailblazer, but what I'm in my role it's kind of just organically happened rather than I, I strived for it or um, I carved, you know, I didn't like carve it out necessarily on purpose. It's just the opportunities were there and I took them and through my love of wrestling, it just kept going. And I think um, obviously in the U S you know, you, you're well aware, right? Like Meltzer is kind of like, I don't know, the, the yardstick as it was. Like he, he's all, he's just, yeah. you know, he's been around for so long now. And then you've got Ryan Satin, Sean Ross Sapp, uh, Mike Johnson, you, you know, uh, John Pollock. There's, there's literally a ton. Um, but in the UK, really, I feel like that process has only kind of accelerated the past couple of years. Um, and it's cool to kind of, I guess, be at the forefront of that. So, yeah, man, I mean, I mean my journey is a unique one, but where it's led me to, oh, I couldn't be happier. Well, that is quite the whirlwind and quite the success you've had there. And I did see today actually scrolling through your Twitter feed prior to this interview that Meltzer just uh, followed you on LinkedIn. So congratulations. I feel like that's a very, very Yeah, it's just weird. Like, cause um, you know what? Like, people thought there was like almost heat there for, for a while, which is weird. Like, um, you know, because when I did a must sit down with Triple H, 
um, one of the things that was debunked was Meltzer had reported that Enzo and Cass were going to go back to NXT. Um, and obviously, like it just so happened that I, my interview with Triple H was like the next day. So it just timed up perfectly where I was like, well, look, like what's happening then? And he completely shut it down. And then I think there was another story that he'd said maybe about someone getting buried. Cedric Alexander, I want to say. And um, and again, I think I'd, I had the chance to speak to Cedric, so I kind of asked for his thoughts on it. And then people were like, oh, you know, you're going around just uh, debunking Meltzer stories. I was like, well, no, like, if, if anything, it's a compliment because he is the kind of been the, the top of it for so long. You know, if it was just a, I don't know, just any old reporter, I wouldn't have even, you wouldn't carry any weight. So I wouldn't even bother asking. Do you know what I'm saying? So um, uh, it, I, I do respect him as a historian and, a, you know, the longstanding journalist that he is. Like, to be fair, he's almost paved the way for the rest of us to be able to do this in any kind of capacity. So, yeah, it is, uh, it is weird though, because we haven't actually ever spoken. Like when he, um, when he sent me the LinkedIn request, I was just a bit like, Oh, cause he's ne- like, we don't follow me on Twitter or anything. I was just like, oh, all right, then, fine. <laughs> so speaking on Dave a little bit here, actually, I listened to his podcast this Sunday that dropped following takeover. And one of the things that actually kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Most of the time I'm usually, 50 50 when it comes to Dave, but it rubbed me the wrong way that he seemed, I don't want to say un, unenthused, I guess, by Pat McAfee's performance. And I will dive right into some takeover talk and then we'll get into uh, some SummerSlam talk. But talking about Pat McAfee a little bit here, he hadn't watched the bout, but he had been kind of, I guess, I mean, I don't want to say downing on it a little bit, but it's it on the surface seemed like a typical celebrity bout. I, for one, am actually a Pat McAfee fan, and then I'm also a worldwide or world wrestling yeah. entertainment fan. Sorry, but I the crossover was one that I was excited for initially when it happened when he signed to be a commentator. But now watching him in the ring on Saturday, I was pretty impressed. I I had heard that he was training with Rip Rogers a little bit, but I didn't think he was going to put on a as big of a show as he did. So I wanted to ask you first, before we dive into some real wrestling talk, how did you feel about Pat's performance? Was it more a testament of how he trained or how Adam? Uh, a mixture Pat? of both, mate. And, um, you know, to, on to Dave and his points, I mean, like anybody who has an opinion on wrestling, it's all subjective, right? So you don't, you don't really have to, you can take as much of it as you like. Um, but for me, I thought it was immensely impressive. You know, okay, he's supremely athletic and has the background. Um, but anyone who knows anything about wrestling, there's a lot more that goes into it than that. And Adam Cole have undoubtedly laid out the match for him in in large parts, which will, will help. But still, in terms of timing um, and delivering on the spots that they would have, you know, conjured up, man, he knocked it out of the park. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think anyone can really appreciate that. People who do this for a living, like on that sort of stage, would have maybe been nervous, right? And he's he's taken to it like a duck to water. His heel promos are like perfect. He is so he's like I said on on Saturday. He's far better at this juncture than he has any right to be, really. And um, I, I I think for someone of of the training that he's had and his exposure to the business, really, because it takes years to become really good at this like years Adam Cole has been crafting for years and to me to WWE's credit putting Adam Cole and Seth Rollins with Pat McAfee and Dominic were strokes of genius within themselves um and I think you saw the dividends of that they were able to bring out the best 
in two talented guys like Pat and Dominic. And um, I just thought it was a perfect mixture. Now, um, and I was very impressed with Pat and I was impressed actually with Cole as well. And I guess I'll shift over here since you brought it up to Rollins versus Mysterio. I was very happy with the match, but I also was happy with, I guess, the payoff initially. I felt as though on the surface, you know, it felt like the feud kind of could have been over. You give Rollins this push, Rollins and maybe Murphy have a fight at some point, or maybe Rollins moves on to somebody else, starts chasing the title at some point. Something happens for Rollins and this feud kind of ends. But then last night, it seems like it's far from over as they have a tag match and Retribution gets involved. And it just seems to feel like this feud is not far or is far from over. So where do you feel like this feud's kind of heading? And where do you feel Rollins did in terms of, I guess, elevating Dominic in that match? Oh, because I felt I like mean, he elevated look, like, Seth a is lot. So good. And I think the, I, I, I've said this for a long time now that last year, a lot happened to Rollins that really wasn't his fault. Like he, he was on this just tremendous tear in 2018, comes into 2019, wins the Rumble, wins the title of WrestleMania. No one's got a problem with that. Has a great match with AJ Styles at the next pay-per-view. And then from there, man, it just went downhill. And it was like, you know, he, he, he was booked into those matches with Corbin. He then, you know, that went on forever. It's like three pay-per-views, I think. Um, the, the thing with Becky... Uh, and then they put him with The Fiend, who Vince, for some obscure reason, couldn't see that people didn't want to boo. And, uh, you know, people didn't want to see Seth overcome The Fiend. But for some reason, Vince thought that's what people wanted. Um, and then, you know, there, there's just a, the stuff he said on Twitter didn't help either at the time. And I think uh, it forced him to rebrand and go away. He had no choice. And I think he's recovered immensely well with the Messiah gimmick, um, which is a real departure from what he was. And for the Mysterio rivalry, like, I've enjoyed it for what it is. I mean, obviously it's outlandish to take someone's eye and <laughs> all, all of that stuff. But, you know, it's wrestling at the end of the day. So, you know, I've watched someone give birth to a hand and enjoyed it. So I can't say that much. But, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of them, man, where... For me, Rollins is is the is in the proper elite bracket of worker, and I, I know some people kind of almost reluctant are so because of you know they their feelings on him, I guess, as a person. But I I don't see that. I I think he's a great worker, and I think what he's done with Dominic, even before this match, in the in the angles that they've had together and the little segments, he's just made him look legit from the jump, uh, and you could just see the way he worked the match was really in keeping um, to Dominic's strength. And that, that was just, you know, man, it couldn't have played off much better. It honestly couldn't have. So I think, um, you know, whether we're going to see Dominic more and is he a regular fixture now already? I, I mean, I don't know. But either way, I think Seth Rollins is a major player. And um, the thing about this feud that, gets me a little bit is it's like it can't just end can it with like Rey Mysterio's eye being lost and Dominic losing yeah like you know eventually Mysterio has to get the, you know Rollins has come up and so I think that's still there um how they get there though I'm not sure yeah I'm very intrigued to see especially how they fit in payback to everything but I really do feel as though the the best way this ends and it sounds bad is somehow they do finally finish off this Rollins Mysterio feud 
and Rollins moves on, and I think maybe goes back to the title picture, maybe goes on to something else, but I really feel like the payoff for Dominic would be fighting his father, and it sounds messed up on the surface, but you want Dominic to have a second solid singles match. So say you have Dominic and Ray go up against Murphy and Rollins in a rematch on this Sunday or whenever payback is. I believe it's this Sunday. Correct me if I'm wrong. But you have them fight, and then you have Dominic and Ray. Maybe Dominic turn on Ray because you can kind of see hints of Dominic being a potential heel. And I think that's a great feud to have Dominic's second singles feud, in a sense, be with his father. They can work it, and it'd be a great match. And then you finally throw Dominic into becoming a main fixture. How do you kind of feel that is on the surface, or do you think that's too outlandish for WWE to do, which is anything too outlandish <laughs> I mean, to do, it, it's the thing with those angles, as much as I like it on paper, sometimes WWE just aren't as creative as you hope. Do you know what I mean? Like, you think that'd be awesome, but then it never really uh-huh. transpires. Um, I mean, I I would love to see like Seth almost recruit Dominic and turn him and uh, and, and make that angle really personal and bitter like that and have Mysterio and yeah, I mean, man, like, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Dominic and Ray going at it. I don't know if it's too soon. And it's something that would probably happen down the road, and I would imagine because I know Dominic has spoken about. Um, wearing a mask in the future, right? Um, maybe that's the way he does it. He retires his dad. And then, like, as almost a symbol, he then starts wearing a mask. Um, you know, his dad's mask, whatever it may be. So, I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's so many different things they can do with this, and there's so many emotional pulls that WWE will struggle to get it wrong. But if anyone can, <laughs> I mean, they could. So, I, I mean, listen, there's, the possibilities are endless, and um, I've loved what I've seen so far. I'm excited to see how this keeps going with this feud and how it eventually ends and whether the payoff is good or whether WDB does struggle to get it right. So kind of transitioning to them struggling to get it right here a little bit. A thing that kind of irked me, and I feel like irked the wrestling community as a whole last night, was Keith Lee's debut and the complete change of his theme song and really his wardrobe as well. So, and then he just gets thrusted into a little bit of a wrinkle in the McIntyre-Orton feud, which seemed like it would pay off this Sunday payback, and now Keith Lee is going to take on Orton. How do you feel Lee's debut went about, and how do you feel the match with Orton is going to go in terms of elevating Lee maybe into the title picture? Which is Yeah, I mean, fast. listen, the presentation of Lee last night was questionable in my opinion. Um, make it, you know, they've made him, I don't know whether it's because Vince thinks he's too big or fat you know like they've made him basically wear this weird like dress that has a skirt I don't know what it is um they've changed his music as well I I don't really know what the deal is there but um uh, I mean Keith Lee the talent is undeniable right like the work the the presence he's got all of that and and that's that was what shone through on Raw like the promo he did with Orton and then the subsequent match that kind of told a little bit of a story about his power and and all of that stuff so uh, I really feel that they can put on something great on Sunday and I don't expect Orton to eat two losses on a row and I don't expect Lee to maybe eat a clean loss either. So you have to wonder how Drew factors into it. If Keith Lee is going to be hanging around this picture because he is kind of like Drew's friend they're presenting him as, which is, you know, strange. Mm-hmm. But if if that, you know, if that is kind of what they're doing... 
I don't know if it's really good for Keith Lee to be paired with the you know the the hottest heel in the business at the moment who who makes a name by taking people out. Um, I don't know what the longevity is there, to be honest. But who knows? Um, I think Orton is literally just killing time until Edge can return. So if Keith Lee can be elevated and have some cool matches in the meantime, then that's fine by me. It's clear that WWE see a lot in him. You know, you know, with the they've had him do segments with. Uh, Rollins and Reigns at Survivor Series and Lesnar at the Rumble. Now he makes a debut alongside Orton. It's easy to see they think a lot of him. I'm excited to see where Lee goes with his future. And actually talking about Edge and Orton a little bit here before we kind of transition a little more to some of the other matches on the SummerSlam card. But talking about Lee and or in this Sunday and how it translates to Edge's return. How do you think this is all going to lead to the eventual or an Edge payoff? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so how do, how do I think it's going to lead to Orton and Edge is what you're saying? Um, yeah. yeah. I, 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 oh. See, the reason I, I asked that question is because like that is almost solely dependent on the timetable of Edge, right? Like we can't, we can't specifically mm-hmm. tell when he will return, you know, we you know they say four to six months. He did it in what June, so you'd imagine, kind of by the end of the year. I think I wouldn't be surprised if they took it to Mania next year, Edge and Orton, if I'm honest. Um, wow. And it's either that or it's going to be at the Rumble. I don't think they do it in between because it's just too short to set up a program. And I think. I I I wouldn't be surprised if the title was involved by the time that Edge came back, and then they did like the fairy tale kind of comeback again. And there's fans, and it's just this mon- mon- you know, monumental thing. They don't want to take the title off Drew, but I think if there's one man who 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 it would be fine to take it off him is Randy because it wouldn't hurt Drew. So it, it's it's a it's a delicate one, but at the same time. Like I said, like I said before, they've got so many options, and either way, they can get Randy and Edge back together. It doesn't need the title. There's just so much story steeped in there, and it's the, the rubber match. It's very, very easy to do. I don't think you know Randy could be doing anything basically at the time, and they can just put him back into the Edge story. So yeah. um, I think he's just really trying to keep himself busy in that interim, though, and keeping that momentum is key because he has been arguably the hottest person this year. You could you you could make that argument in terms of character um redevelopment and you know being over with the fans. You could make the argument. So I I think it's all about just partnering Randy with the right people. And thus far, even though I don't really want to see Randy Orton in the big show, that's fine though, because Randy Orton's putting someone like Big Show on the shelf. Um it's the same when he booted Christian and whatever like they've done really well to now. You just don't want to pair him with the wrong people. My head kind of processing it all after last night, especially with the new wrinkle of Lee, was maybe this all ends with Lee and McIntyre getting into a feud after like a triple threat title match where they can make McIntyre and Lee both look good. They go on, have some sort of feud, and you have Orton take the title and maybe keep going with this legend killer streak. I mean, I don't know who else he could go after. Maybe a Triple H Maybe they get Cena or somebody to come back. I don't – there's more than enough options of people, maybe a Lesnar, but you make him continue, like you said, this momentum 
And there's a number of ways that we can do it and a number of ways they can make McIntyre continue to look good and Lee continue to look good. It's just about getting it right. But I love the way they've booked Orton to this point. I feel like they have not made it feel stagnant. They've not made it feel like at times it feels like if there's a few that maybe gets a little abrupted by an injury, more often than not, WWE will kind of put the brakes on. But they've just kind of gone full steam ahead with pushing Randy Orton. And he is, I would say, maybe the hottest wrestler, not just in WWE, but maybe even in between WWE and AEW right now. I think he's been on fire. And I've been impressed with Randy. And I think this is like... I mean, And that's crazy, right? Like, because he's 18 years deep in WWE. Um, you know, for yeah. me, I, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows around you. And like, he's someone that I've always liked, but, you know, and I spoke to him last week and we were talking about like the character iterations. It's clear that he's motivated in some positions more than others. And he's obviously more comfortable being a heel. I thought in 2009, when he was like the psycho, um, who was like, you know, kicking them at man's and Arco and Stephanie and stuff. Like, that's probably my favorite Orton. And or it was like this is now though, and it, it's mad that it's taken eleven years to kind of really get back here. But at the same time, that's kind of what makes it special. So I think um, WWE have taken full advantage of Orton in his best persona, and and the setting helped too because the Thunderdome is a cool return and it makes a difference. But at the same time. When they're at the PC, all the promos felt so much more personal and intimate and, you know what I mean? Like, they had much more significance and meaning. And I yeah. think that really helped Randy. So, it's uh, it's, it's just, he's 40 years old and he's just absolutely killing it. You know, I'm for, weirdly enough, the legend killer gimmick, he's on the verge of being a legend himself. So, um, very interesting to see how it all plays out. Now, speaking about the Thunderdome, as it's been titled... It's not been without hiccups. I do want to get back to talking about some of the matches on the SummerSlam card, but between SummerSlam and Friday Night SmackDown last week and TakeOver and then last night. There's been a fair share of interesting things to pop up on the screens between some obscene um, organizations being presented on the screen, uh, calls to fire a wrestler, uh, as of uh, Chris Benoit being pictured on there, Pikachu. There's been a plethora of not not typical things you'd see on these kind of screens. So why has WWE gotten it wrong in that sense, where you look at the bubble for NBA and they haven't really had that issue? I mean, you've had Lil Wayne or celebrities on there doing things, but you don't have anybody kind of taking the attention away from the show or the game and with WWE, they seem to have not been able to get it right. And I feel like last night was the last draw. Mm. Why do you think it was the last draw? Because of the depiction of the yeah. KKK. I think that. I mean, was what, what I'm saying is, like, um, man, I, I think I retweeted something earlier from David Bixon Pam, right? Like the list that you just ran through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, man, um, <laughs> like. Uh, uh, yeah, obviously, like, the, you know, the KKK thing is terrible. I mean, the last photo of Benoit as well is tasteless. Um, the, you know, beheading, like, five Elvateen dreaming. Yeah, okay, cool. Pikachu, less yeah. harmless. But the Sonya Stalker thing as well. I mean, it's just a, yeah. it's an awful list, really. And you just think, and I saw someone earlier say, the NBA don't get this problem. Like, it's, it's us wrestling fans. What's wrong with us? Like, mm-hmm. why, why, it, it's, it's something that, 
for WWE, really, they're, they're putting on for us in many ways to make the atmosphere better. And I do think it helps. I don't know how you feel about it, but I do, I do feel aesthetically it is better. But when you look at the, the gravity of those photos, you just think, did they not think this? Like, they must have thought. <laughs> they must have thought there's going to be some people that will do some ridiculous things like this. Like, would I have predicted a KKK rally or whatever it was? No. Um, but at the same time, you'd imagine they have safeguards about these sorts of things or a delay, maybe. You know what I mean? Because the audio piped in anyway. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's, it's a tough one for me to, to process because I don't know the actual process. Do you know what I mean? Behind the scenes, I, I can't tell you how they're going about it or how they're filtering these things out. But clearly, whatever they're doing needs to change because um, it, they're all, I mean, all, all of those things that we mentioned are terrible. But apparently, Sonia's stalk and mugshot um, is not real, I've heard. Uh, I didn't see that on the actual broadcast. I, I heard that the photo that's been going around about that is like doctored. So, um, but the other ones obviously are. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I don't know what they're going to do to change it. That's the problem. I haven't heard anything from people inside WWE about that. Um, the last thing I heard is that WWE were very happy with how it went at SummerSlam. But obviously, like you said, with these additional problems at Raw, it's something they have to address mm -hmm. because essentially, if they don't, then you become almost, you know, they're almost they're not proponents of it, but enabling it. So you have to do. Yeah. I do think I agree with you. I think it is aesthetically pleasing and it's a lot better than the performance center, which the performance center I did enjoy for the time being, but it feels a lot more normal, especially when Reigns returned at the end of SummerSlam to kind of have, fans there in a sense but i just don't understand why wwe one of the biggest organizations in the country and the world for wrestling and sports cannot figure out to do something that the nba did which was safeguard or you know filter out what yeah. gets produced on screen and i just don't understand why WWE can't do it i do think that this was the last draw with the kkk depiction and I think that that's going to probably be enough for them to seriously look into a way to secure it more. Um, that's not going to say there won't be hiccups, but I'm hoping for WWE's sake that they can continue to keep the Thunderdome going without having this sideshow that's been the on-air. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like they, I mean, it's their responsibility at this point. You can't, you can't all those kind of messages so mm -hmm. i think um they like you said nba have handled it i mean to, to be frank nba have handled the whole thing tremendously well but um wwe obviously have some lessons to learn there and they need to take it more seriously if they're not already and i hate to kind of harken it back to it but it's a bit like they didn't really take the covid testing seriously in the early game. um and yeah. they should have and the results of that we all know it was like a debacle for a few weeks so it's uh it's one of those things that They've had the chance to learn their lessons now. They've got a few days until SmackDown. Let's hope they do something. Now, I do want to talk a little more about as SmackDown this Friday night is going to be pretty anticipated with the return of Roman Reigns ending SummerSlam. And this is what I want to give a lot of time to as there's now been announced a triple threat match between Roman Reigns, The Fiend and Braun Strowman, which likely seems like a main event caliber match for payback i assume it'll probably be the main event match and the fiend what was kind of lost in it 
at least to me, was The Fiend won the title back. Braun is no longer champ, but he gets his rematch in a sense of a triple threat match with Roman Reigns, who immediately gets inserted into a title feud. And what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I love Roman. I mean, full transparency. Um, I'm glad to see him back. I, I feel like the product missed him. And uh, yeah, it, the, the, the new edge that he seems to be sporting, I'm totally down with. I was told a week before he came back that he would be returning as a heel. And I literally said to the guy who told me that, like, nah, mate, <laughs> I don't believe you. That's uh, WWE will never do that. And they were like, well, now's the time, isn't it? You know, they, they need a shake up. They need a ratings fix. What What's the biggest thing you could do turn Roman Hill? So I think um, the way they did it was, was very subtle as well, which I liked. It wasn't like in your face or, you know, even just the little way he intimidated people at ringside or, um, the things he was saying to Strowman and The Fiend as he attacked them. I thought he was awesome. Um, straight back in the title picture, don't mind it. I know there'll be people that do, but WWE are probably counting on that heat. And I think that when you look at the fact that he hasn't held a title since 2018, a world title that is, it's, I mean, come on. It's not like he's been, you know, people were once upon a time complaining about him being shoved down our throats and pushed to the moon. But he's he served his time, I think, out of the title picture. And um, I'm happy for him to ride in and, and win it. Like I said, though, what does that do to The Fiend? Uh, God, you know, my, my problem with The Fiend, I don't know how you feel about this, but my problem with The Fiend, I love I love him. I love the character. I love Bray doing the Firefly, Firefly Funhouse. Fiend matches aren't very exciting. They're very, you know, him. he, him, he eats a lot of finishers because he can, he kind of no sells it and then he beats them really, unless it's Goldberg for some reason. So it's, I, I, uh, I, I don't know when you're in a feud with him, the thing that is, I don't know where you can go. Um, but what is interesting is that WWE piped in cheers for the fiend when he came out at SummerSlam and they piped in booze for Strowman. So yeah, it's an interesting one. I feel like there's more to explore with Alexa Bliss in The Fiend. Um, although the fact that she didn't appear yes. on Sunday is weird. But maybe she will this Sunday, you know, as part of the triple threat. Who knows? Um, but I do think that the Rocket's going to go to Roman. And as a, as a heel, man, that's big business. I'm very, very excited to see Roman take the title, which I feel like it's it's got to happen. And for him to come back as a heel is going to be something I'm excited to see because, I mean, maybe in the Shield you could say he was a heel at times, but he was never a true heel individually. And I am so excited to see what he can do as a heel because I've always felt he could be a very, very good heel because he has the natural heat on him of being somebody that – was shoved down people's throats in a sense to half of the wrestling community or a bulk of it. And I do feel like he's going to have that heat on him naturally, which is going to be good. But talking about the fiend, I think you just hit the nail on the head perfectly. My favorite match with him. And I don't know how you felt about it was the match against John Cena, the insanely produced match that was not really wrestling whatsoever, but it was perfect essence of what the fiend character is and i do feel like that would be the route you go with him in having those great matches because i haven't been able to pinpoint a match that blew me away in ring with him since then and i just feel like with Strowman, the 
feud until the Alexa Bliss wrinkle kind of fell flat. I mean, the Swamp match wasn't something that enthused me, and I feel like it's time to get away from that. And I do think it's time to throw Roman in there as a nice wrinkle and have him take the title. And I just don't know where you go with The Fiend from there. I don't know where you go with Strowman from there, but, I mean, they don't pay us <laughs> to figure that out. Um, to be fair, I don't think Strowman has had a great run. Um, and, you you know, you could in, in tribute, attribute that to The Fiend um, story. I'm, I'm with you. Like, uh, the Swamp match wasn't, you know, as far as cinematic matches goes, it's probably my least favourite. Um, but I kind of dug the story of Strowman beats Bray. Then he faces like old Bray and this swamp. And then it, because, um, he can't beat Strowman, then the fiend comes. I, I don't mind stretching it over three pay-per-views cause it's different. Do you know what I mean? Every time. But, um, I don't think ultimately it really helped Strowman. I don't think the handicap match with Miz and Morrison helped him either. So it's, it's one of them, like, well, he, I don't think anyone really bought that he was meant to be the champ anyway, because it was like a last minute thing. The natural story is for Roman to come back and reclaim what should have been his. So uh, as far as I can tell, Strowman's probably just going to go back to being the wrecking machine attraction that he was. Um, although he does work extremely well with Roman, it's worth saying. Um, but The Fiend, that's, that's the difficult one. And whenever you create a character who basically no-sells everything, you've put yourself into a corner from, from the jump. Um, and I'm not sure, like you said, hopefully you can mesh in with different characters like Alexa Bliss that will peel back some layers and make things interesting. All right. So before you head out here, I have three rapid right. fire questions for you here. And then one, I ask every guest. So three rapid fire questions are going to all have to do with timing because they are all things I think are going to happen. And I feel like it's presumed to happen. So first when a quick question when do you think bailey and sasha's play uh, i think it starts this sunday um and i think there's an evolution too before the end of the year and that's where they headline uh where do you think the fiend lands in a potential or actually let me rephrase this question i'll go back to it in a second but when do you think the wwe draft yes he said later this year and i think it would be around the same time they did the, they did it last year with the Fox debut, so I'm going to say October. Um, in that little wrinkle, you do think the Fiend lands on Raw? Probably, but having said that, I know that Fox actually wanted him originally, so it all depends how much WWE wants to appease Fox, and they pay the most money, so you must believe that they do take into account what Fox wants. And my final rapid question here was where do you, or when do you think Adam Cole and the undisputed oh. era? Kind of I don't split? know. I think that there's definitely a main roster run for them. Um, I think they're doing the, doing the baby face thing that they're doing now, kind of in NXT is on overdue as well. And there's room to move there. So I think let them do that. And when they come to the main roster, they'd be massive, massive baby faces. Presumably we have fans back when that happens. Um, so I'm all for them all staying together and getting a main roster run before they split. I don't, I think if they split before getting to the main roster, it's, it's money left on the table. I think that's going to be something kind of similar or sort of similar to the Tommaso Ciampa and then uh, Johnny Gargano feud that just lasted forever in NXT that could have been brought up to the main roster. And I think they lost money on that because that would have been a feud that, 
could have been mm. elevated a lot. I mean, more. yeah, who knows? I mean, that, that might have been the plan at one point, right? Because they were kind of up there with um, Black and uh, Ricochet and doing main roster shows, and then Champa got hurt. So, I, I mean, I don't know that. I'm just speculating. But maybe that was the plan. I mean, you're right. If they had any sense, it should have been. Listen, before you head out here, I got to ask you. So I ask every guest this, and I'd love to have you back because I'm having a hell of a time talking WWE with you, and I could go probably a few hours. But before you head out here, Alex, I got to ask, when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Man, that's a good question. Um, You know what? When when I engage, and I am someone who kind of proactively engages with people on Twitter, I like people to feel like um, that I'm present, I guess, like a nice person who's considerate. Um, whenever I handle my business on Twitter or, or otherwise, I always like to think, be a person that I'd be proud of my daughters to, to, you know, look at and, and learn from. So that's always kind of my yardstick, like, man, would I be proud of my daughters looking at me like this? That's why you'll never really see me, um, going for people on Twitter or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like, um, that, that, those kind of battles or anything, I always try and, be respectful. So I, I guess I'd like my legacy just to be that I was a good person and, um, you know, a, a likable guy who was really, who was good at his job. And I feel like I tried to put my best foot forward on both of those things every single day. So, um, you know, I, I, that's all I really ask from anyone, you know, is to apply themselves and be sincere and, uh, and work hard. And I can kind of hold my head up all the time knowing that I do those things. So. That was a phenomenal answer. So, Alex, before you head out here, I do want to give you the opportunity to plug that Twitter and plug TalkSport and plug anything else you're working on. Well, man, I mean, there's some, I've got some fingers in some pies. So it's, um, it's AlexM underscore TalkSport on Twitter, also Instagram, but it's very, that's less exciting, to be honest. Um, TalkSport.com forward slash wrestling is where you'll find a lot of my work. Uh, as uh, Dylan nicely said earlier, I do have a show on Mondays at uh, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on TalkSport 2. Uh, Americans out there can get that on the TalkSport app, uh, obviously, in your own time zones. Um, yeah, I've got a YouTube channel that hit 1,000 subs today, which is kind of cool. Um, so you, you type in Alex McCarthy and you'll find me. Uh, yeah, and I think that's it. But, you know, there are all the places you can grab me and... Um, yeah, I've been I've been staying on top of my business and I'm doing interviews all the time. AEW interviews coming next week too with All Out on the horizon. So a nice spread uh, to keep you know wet your wrestling appetite. Well, congratulations on the thousand subs, and I am sure that not only did will Lego listen to everything that you just promoted, but I am sure that they would love to have you come talk again because it's been a pleasure, Alex. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Alex McCarthy. My thanks once again to the great Alex McCarthy. He was an absolute privilege to have on, and I'm excited to potentially have him on again because him and I had a lot of fun doing this, and I'm excited to see what he does in continuing his coverage. I'm definitely checking out the Dominic Mysterio interview that happened today as I'm posting this. It happened today, and I am about to go listen to it as soon as I get off the call because he is a superb interviewer, and I cannot wait to hear what he talked to Dominic about. So check him out on TalkSport every week uh, wherever you can find it on the TalkSport app or TalkSport.com. That's Alex McCarthy and what a guy he was. And come back next week to hear another great episode of Ambitious from Ambitious Podcast on Instagram, Ambitious with DP on Twitter, and Ambitious with Dylan Price wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week. Ambitious listeners, have a great one.